1: America in the (laughs) 1970s (laughs) The idealism of the 1960s were beaten away by war and lost idealism. (laughs) On the charts, (laughs) David Bowie, Queen, (laughs) and the Doobie Brothers were shattering expectations while the discos filled with bright-eyed young minds looking to just devolve into decadence. The Watergate scandal shattered our confidence in our country. It was a time of transformation, a time of change. A time of sensual pleasure. Meanwhile, in Wisconsin, a bunch of nerds were playing with little soldier men. (laughs) (laughs) And those fucking nerds would transform culture as we
0: know it. I mean, to be fair, you can't not be a nerd with the last name Gygax, all right? (laughs) Hi, my name's Gary Gygax, and I would like to take you on four dates,
1: three of which will be at the library. Let me tell you about my complicated relationship with Jehovah's Witness. (laughs) Uh, This is Wizard and the Brew. I am
0: the wizard, Jake Young. And I am the Bruiser Holden McNeely, so don't cross me or you'll get a ba 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 beat down. This episode, we're talking about
1: Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, Jake. I'm actually in the middle of a game right now. I'm playing with uh, with uh, Brian Miller over at uh, Colin Schumer, who's an amazing dungeon master That's or, awesome. or game master, as we call them now. Oh. And uh, it's honestly, and it got a big uptick in uh, Stranger Things. It's it's yeah. becoming part of the culture. I think
0: it's really resurging. I'm getting a lot of people saying, "Hey, you know what? I think." i would like to play a game of dungeons and dragons which is like the craziest shit to me i think stranger things definitely helped that um with the gorgon Mm -hmm. uh but uh and and what was i gonna say i was gonna say i have to full disclosure to the audience okay Mm -hmm. i personally have never played a formal game of dungeons and dragons
1: but here's the thing though You're an improviser You're a storyteller yes, You're a yeah. writer Like deep down You would take to it Like flies on Enjoyable shit My lady and I Have
0: actually been talking about Trying to get a game together um, And and to, and I will say I did I, I tried to look it up today I played for one afternoon With a lot of members Of Murder Fist. actually I played a version Of, of that um, That was, was like A superhero game I can't remember What it was called it was, I think it started With an E But I can't remember um, but yeah So I got the sense of it And I have to say We all did it Fully in character The entire time <laughs> Like we went We committed 100% And I may never have laughed as hard As that afternoon Playing that game
1: It's a genuinely fun And very uh, intimate Almost experience You, uh, you know you lo- there's there's highs and lows you know you plan you train but then there's also uh, huge amounts of chance involved mm-hmm. it is a very fun experience it's very spontaneous and rewarding and it all started it's all like you can draw a straight line from chess yeah uh, to uh, these what were called miniature games
0: war yes, games war games. Uh, the- I will, I will mention, um, in 1935, there was a copyright in a little g- game called Jury Box, and mm-hmm. that was one of the first known instances of a formal game where people pretended <laughs> to reenact different characters, right? Mm-hmm. So, it was a game where there was, like, these different court cases and and the people, you know, you'd get a group of people together, and some mm-hmm. people would be the lawyers, some people would be the judge, some people would be the jury, and they would reenact these games. So, there was a little, there was some of some of that going on, but yes, chess definitely in a huge way um and then little wars by hg wells yes yeah little wars by hg wells do Which, you know anything much about that one uh it
1: was a so for one of the oldest kinds of toys are toy soldiers little you know little green army men is how we knew them tin soldiers lead soldiers just little cute uh army dudes holding weapons in various infantries and various arrangements and uh little wars was a book published by hg wells uh, which had like a really weird title which was like like uh, I'm can't, i can't, I'm sorry I don't have my notes on me but it was something like wonderful little games for boys of war and also intelligent girls that like boy things <laughs> uh, Marcus if you can look that up and it's also like... intelligent
0: boys that kind of feel like girls sometimes <laughs> and they sort of identify in that and it's in certain periods little wars a game for boys from 12 years of age to 150 and for that more intelligent sort of girl who likes boys games and books I'm <laughs> sorry. But what about me? Is the game for old Mr. Bad Touch? <laughs> old Mr. Bad Touch wants to play with the mini boys is, and the mini girls.
1: Is he above twelve and below one hundred and fifty? Ooh, maybe. <laughs> Super producer Marcus Parks bringing that old school squirminess.
0: <laughs> um, so, so yeah, um, and 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 so it's kind of a combination, right? Of and, and a lot of these games too is Little Wars. So much of it came from historical reenactment mm-hmm. of wars and how uh, a. Battles, specifically battles and how battles, and also saying, what if, what if we change the way this battle, historical battle went? And I would also like to bring up, the there was the advent of uh, societies that reenacted battles, you know, war reenactors. Mm. In 1968, you had the uh, groups like the Sealed Knot Society founded uh, to for charity to reenact English Civil War battles.
1: Now, you grew up in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir, I did. Did you know people that reenacted Civil War shit? Because I have yes. never known anyone That was like Time for a jaunty day Of dying in a field Yes I did actually I took a
0: Civil War class In my high school Taught by three of the teachers Because they just loved Talking about the Civil War so much (laughs) And I actually was My family was really into Like if you go to my house There's like a wall Of Civil War books And like when that special Came out The Ken Burns uh, Mm -hmm. series We like gathered around And watched the whole thing And in the Civil War class One of the teachers um, I believe he also taught Like math or something He one day showed up In his gar in his full, like, um, I think it was Confederate garb and he had the full thing of the whole, like, um, all right, you know what, it's <laughs> ain't piece, no
1: Yankee going to be teaching in that high it's school. It's a piece of history. Okay. He's just reenacting
0: the history. I know it's right? a piece of history. I just uh, it just irks me how he was like, well, it's North Carolina. He he was a Union soldier. Just don't try to do what somebody's got to be the Union. Somebody's got to be the or somebody's, yeah, somebody. I'm sure they had to pay some poor sap to be the Union. (laughs) So, anyways, um, yeah, I think, um, but he he showed up in his full garb and that was a thing he did. He went out to to parks and re you know, and honestly, I would totally do that myself. Yeah, I would totally do that. But I'd be getting hammered. I'd be the, I'd be sneaking away and hiding out in the tent. I'd be trying to figure out how to get out of the battles and stuff, <laughs> you know, like as my character. Walking
1: around with like your arms stuffed in your shirt, being like, Oi, they already got me, they did. Old timey. Why are you talking with a British accent? <laughs> it's old me time talk. Oh, my pe- whoops, you got my penis all blue. I sat on it too long. So this very wonky world of uh, military reenactments yes. and small soldiers and battles, uh, you can draw a line from to uh, modern games like Risk uh, and uh, Gettysburg, which is like for kids that were like a little too good for Risk. So I think Gettysburg's actually
0: a really cool kind of knot that I tie between our founders, Mm -hmm. um, which would be Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson Mm -hmm. created Dungeons & Dragons. Their childhood favorite games both of their childhood favorite games were Gettysburg, which made me really want to fucking check out Gettysburg, the game. I love the book, by the way, um, and that whole battle is fascinating. That I'm more series of a fan of, of the address. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good
1: address. <laughs> it's a good address. I mean, if you got to go like top three addresses.
0: <laughs> and also um, they derived the rule system from a game called Chainmail. That was
1: uh, made by uh, Gary Gax and another person. Uh so this is uh, J- Jeff Perrin I believe yes so, so this is where we get to the early uh, to the early 70s late 60s um people talk about scenes like a certain time and place like uh, you know uh, London in the in the when punk was starting or like Seattle during the grunge era these like insular small communities that were like kind of co- uh, uh, working together and collaborating and sharing ideas and like kind of exploding this new form of doing things and like having one breakout finally like ex- like expose it to the world
0: because they were racing to get this game out um you know
1: because other people were working on the same type of so, game so this is this is what happened is uh, the and lake geneva <laughs> there's this society of military reenacting and strategy gamers yes. who were really into Napoleonic war military tiny soldier really? push yeah they were all about Napoleonic era Uh, Battles. They had the miniatures and big uh, elaborate set pieces. And one member, a guy by the name of Dave Wesley, Mm. uh, couldn't like really love these games and couldn't really get, uh, you know, he was like a little from a little bit farther away. He was like planning to go into the military. So he had time to think things out. And so he blew everyone's mind when he said, today we're playing a new game called Bronstein. And it takes place in a German town during the uh, Napoleonic era. And here's the thing. You're not commanding armies. You're all individual characters. Oh, ah. you're the local pastor, you're the mayor, you're a visiting French army general, you're a visiting a uh, German spy. And then he got people to play and reenact uh, the roles while trying to pursue their individual goals. Mm-hmm. And this set off a bomb. The idea that you could even do that with like persistent characters and and you know that you were you were embodying a spirit and interacting with other people you were collaborating you were trying to like push your own goals and like you would meet after hours to try and figure out what the next step would be in the strategy so Dave Arneson immediately is like loving this he takes that new idea and he introduces uh. That kind of, uh he introduces those ideas into his own basement game that he'd been running called Blackmore.
0: Yes, Blackmore, which is this fictional sort of medieval world mm-hmm. that he had created. And and yeah, and he
1: incorporated into that. And uh, mm-hmm. now Dave Arneson wasn't as, uh, wasn't as like driven. He wasn't as like kind of, uh, he wasn't uh, into publishing. He wasn't as into rules. So he would like take some aspects from Bronstein for the uh, combat. He originally used um, rock, paper, scissors. Mm. But And so he kind of just gave up on that and started using rules from Chainmail.
0: Yes, and, and implemented certain things such as um, adventuring in jun- dungeons. Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing, which is using a neutral judge, <laughs> which would later be termed a dungeon master. And that was of- Also sorta-
1: persistent characters that grew mm-hmm. in between each adventure, which was yep. also like a, the very idea of leveling up was born there. And that's something that yes. we carry to video games to this day. And
0: so let's talk about how Gygax and Arneson co- came to meet each other. So Gygax, um, I think with some others, he created Gen Con. And mm-hmm. I think we should talk about Gen Con a little bit here. Ge- Lake Geneva, Gen. Ah, gotcha. The Geneva Convention. <laughs> of course. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Um, so he created this yearly uh, uh, convention for, for gaming folk. Um, Lord knows that must have been one of the first gaming conventions. Mm-hmm ever, right? I mean, I know conventions I I think Gen Con could be an episode I feel like a lot of the things we're going to talk about in this episode could have their own episode. Mm. Um, Gen Con being one of them, and definitely I want to cover conventions as a whole (laughs) at some point, and the history of conventions. Was this one of the first, uh, I mean, it must have been one of the first gaming conventions in America.
1: I mean by its very nature, these huge military miniatures games needed a big crowd of people, and Mm. needed collaboration and needed a lot of, like, to FaceTime especially in a pre-internet day so it's definitely one of the bigger more influential ones I can't uh, I don't have my notes on me It's, it, it could very well be one of the earliest but, so, but like, I, I do know that it started with like 20 dudes in a basement, mm-hmm. which is
0: fucking crazy because it, it, you know, it later w- became, you know, the hugest convention. It was thousands of people meeting up. They had to move it to, to you know, bigger. You know, it was kind of yeah. like Comic Con. It got bigger than it ever thought it could possibly but, become, you know.
1: But, uh, Gygax was like a, you know, he was a founder of the convention. He, uh, was a, he made, he published individual games. He created chainmail. Like Arneson was a <laughs> fan of his. He admired him. And so he was like, hey, you got to come over, to see this cool shit I'm doing. Yes. And Gygax sat in with, uh, Uh, for a couple of sessions of Blackmore and was like, there's something here totally blown away by it right so the two began to collaborate to try and like codify what exactly this is
0: what's funny is actually when I read when I was reading and this is just kind of off my off my memory but I believe that he and a friend were, were meeting with Gygax for a totally different game mm-hmm. and they were like well let's play this other game that I've been hearing about this Blackmore thing and then just like whatever with that other game he was like mm-hmm. all in on this, on this sort of a, a version of Blackmore
1: now here's where uh, there's kind Kind of a divergence because like people compare these two guys to like Lennon and McCartney to uh, Steve Jobs and Wozniak. Like it takes two kinds of energies to make something this big. And this
0: first of all, these guys were getting way more pussy than all those others. <laughs> all right, let's just nail that down right here. All right, Gigax—they called him King of the Boner Men. All right, it's, I mean. It's Waz versus Gax. Which one you got? <laughs> I would love to see that boxing match. I mean, yeah, King of the Bonerin. That was the game between Blackmore. That was and the game Dungeons between Blackmore and Dungeons yeah. Dragons to see. Yeah, exactly. It was like so racy they couldn't even. <laughs> it was banned in Japan.
1: Now this is very close in the community of gamers. So like uh, that Bronstein bomb had influenced a lot of people. So Gygax knew that if they needed, if they were going to make this thing uh, out into the public and make it hit. They had to work fast, and uh, he knows that from personal experience because he published games before. He knew exactly how competitive the publishing world is. He had a family. He was working a part-time job in his basement. I think cobbling shoes. He was like, de- like he was serious about this. Meanwhile, Arneson like, hung out around, it. like, Blackmore was played literally on a ping pong table in his basement, (laughs) and he was, like, sitting on a big couch at the head of the table being like, nah, man, that demon's got a phaser. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, it was two very different outlooks on what gaming is about, and so... They spent a year rapidly playtesting. Arneson working on the Blackmore campaign yes. with a bunch of like cool teenagers smoking pot, a bunch of grownups. While uh, Gygax was playtesting with literally his kids, called Greyhawk. Greyhawk, the Greyhawk campaign, both were introduced later as uh, modules. Yeah, which was the f- yeah some of the first uh,
0: modules, which are can- uh, essentially adventures, which uh, or, or campaigns in,
1: in D anD D. Uh, and playtesting is something we take for granted these mm-hmm, days, mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. it was actually it's one. One of those weird X factors that made Dungeons and Dragons better than its competition because they just play
0: tested the hell out of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they play tested the hell out of it,
1: and um, oh. and we should maybe
0: say play testing. If obviously is is sort of uh, you know uh, the the testing ground before you put a game out where you sort of play it over and over again and, and make a little changes and corrections to the game before you put it out. And the playtesting phase is is very, in, you know, it is needs to be very thorough <laughs> and and well thought out and specific.
1: Now, uh original Dungeons and Dragons was a little bit uh finickier than the current iteration. Now it's a very smooth the 5th edition they just came out. Yes, they just came out, is, out with the 5th edition. It's yep. ex- it's almost built for watching on YouTube because it's so conversational and flows so much more easily than previous editions. It's incredibly fun to play. Especially if your goal isn't to, like, min-max strategize your half-orc thief. It's a terrible match of race and class. Whatever. (laughs) Um, But uh, you have no decks. What are you even doing? Terrible. Terrible. Gotta uh, You gotta be a, gotta be
0: a, a mage dog
1: <laughs>
0: If you really want to do so A dog casting spells No one expects the dog to cast a spell You roll you
1: roll 40 over 80 on that one In playtesting uh, The dungeon master wasn't even sitting At the same table There was literally a oh. caller on the players table That would shout out each individual player's actions Speaking for the group oh, And on wow. the other side of the room The dungeon master would be yelling what happens on the other side
0: That sounds fun though I like any game that involves mass amounts screaming, I'm in, you know, but that's just me.
1: Now, they they knew from playtesting that they had a hit. They knew from uh, being in the scene that there were so many assholes that were this close to coming out with their own versions, and they knew that they were ready to publish... But there was a problem. They were broke as shit, broke as fuck, and they
0: could not get a publisher to go with it. They wanted—I forget the name of the publisher, but the publisher for Gettysburg—they actually were trying mm. to get them to go with it. They wouldn't do it. And then enter a man named Brian Bloom and the Bloom family. Brian mm. Bloom—he provided the funding to publish the original Dungeons and Dragons. One
1: thousand so dollars.
0: One, uh, yeah, with a run of one of one thousand units. Okay. Too. Um and it uh it 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 got it out there in 1974. Hand packed three booklets in a little wooden box. That's it. And it sold out within a year. And then uh, within that year, they did a, uh, they put out a thing with additional rules and a sample dungeon from Arneson's original campaign. Were released um, in 1975 in the Blackmore supplement, and that would be the first pre-made module or adventure in the Dungeons and Dragons. Um, whole universe and and i guess to explain that um you can make up your own as a dungeon master you can make up your own adventure right that that you know all you need is the core set which is the uh Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and the um, Monster Manual, right? You need those three things core to play games of Dungeon Dragon. But if you sort of don't want to create your own story and world, you can just kind of uh, get these preset stories, preset, and they're called modules mm-hmm. or adventures. Um, or uh, Well, okay, adventures make up a campaign. So a campaign is if you were going to sit down over many weeks. Mm-hmm. An adventure would be like one sitting, right, Jake? Right. Uh- right.
1: So this is this is um, this is this is kind of interesting. This is kind of the lifeblood of the whole role playing game industry mm-hmm. is uh, the idea that like how do you build an empire if you just have to sell three pamphlets and even then like it's easy to just like pass along how the rules work. You put out these adventure modules. You put out new classes. You adjust the rules. Uh, they published a magazine that would adjust and like fu- you know figure out the edge cases this was an, a living evolving game that you had to actively follow if you wanted to play correctly and um now here's the deal the bloom uh the bloom family yes uh gygax and arneson and a few other people uh started uh, tsr
0: yes which tactical is- studies rules incorporated the company under which they made dnd in late 1976 this happened mm-hmm. um No, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, I think that happened before then. Uh, Arneson left uh, TSR. uh, Maybe
1: because he was uh, barely employable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He said said it was to become an independent game designer, and I think he went off and kind of made some other games and stuff. But... Mm uh, yes, you were going to say about uh, TSR. I mean, it's oh. there's a lot to say about TSR. So
1: this is where the drama happens. Is yes, the tension. Here's where the tension happens. We've talked about this before. It's there's always. I don't know if you uh, if whether you've watched the Social Network or absolutely the Jobs movie. Lay it on me. I've seen or, it all. Or any other. Just any time a bunch of nerds are goofing around and then whoopsie doodle they have a million dollar idea. The knives are out. That's
0: right. That's right. Well, I mean, are we talking? We're talking about when Arnett, after Arneson left, there was a lot of legal trouble. That Arneson
1: they had. sued Gygax five individual times to maintain uh, royalty rights and to have his name as the co creator. Well, to be fair, he did.
0: Co-created, and then right after he left, they were like, "No, no, no, it's not um, Dungeons and Dragons anymore. It's Advanced Dungeons and Dragons." <laughs> so we, they released a, a new player's manual called "It Advanced Dungeons and Dragons." And said, "No, no, this is different from what you did, Arneson, um and
1: so you can't have any more money off of this property." The words they kept using in those lawsuits were "separate product." There was the yes. basic set of Dungeons and Dragons, which came out. Um, it's uh, oh, there was an, It's the whatever for for a little bit. There were two different versions: the basic set, which was Dungeons and Dragons, created by Gary Gygax yes. and Dave Arneson, and then there was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which uh, was a separate product. It, you, you, uh, you know, when you have a separate product that's literally called better version of existing product, but they're <laughs> completely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um. Now we're getting into, we're getting into, uh, so this thing's blowing up. It's a huge in gaming circles. It's one of the more dominant new properties within that very niche audience. Time to go to Hollywood, baby. It's, but wait a minute. (laughs) Where's all that buzz coming from? Why are people, I mean, yeah, it's a fun game, but why are people, why would people give a shit about Dungeons and Dragons enough to like sell the rights to, uh, books and movies and cartoons? What would give it a bunch of publicity? The satanic panic. <laughs> I was about to say Satan, Satan, <laughs> Satan, Satan, the, the devil. <laughs> because I mean, even back in the day, these are a bunch of nerds in the middle of nowhere just making a game for themselves. Those original pamphlets are full of just big titty harpies yeah. and barbarians and, and
0: devil-looking creatures, and demons
1: stuff. and shit. Yeah, uh, a bunch of a bunch of uh, monsters from J.R.R. Tolkien with a single letter changed. <laughs> Oh, it's not a Balrog, it's not a Balrog; it's a baylor. So
0: the nation <laughs> freaked out about um Satan and Dungeons and Dragons, d- which Here's- they also did for magic. If you remember that, that comes later. In like the nineties, everyone freaked out about satanic imagery in that in the card game.
1: It all began in nineteen seventy-nine with an unfortunate soul with the unfortunate name. Of James Dallas Egbert, the third. <laughs> uh, Egbert and Gygax, man. You get those two dudes to the strip club,
0: Ugh. it's all falling apart. Jimmy man.
1: Egbert. Jimmy, <laughs> poor Mr. Egbert, was a uh, 16-year-old college student, which is very young for college. He was always an awkward boy. Mm. And he found himself overwhelmed with his new surroundings and uh, fell into a, uh, a a mental episode of some kind. and. He uh, wandered into the underground steam tunnels of his university and disappeared. Uh, yeah. Many believed suicide. In fact, it was later revealed that he uh, just kind of ran away and took on various jobs across the country and hid at various friends' houses. But a private detective, uh, uh, whose last name was Deer, uh told press, after coming up with nothing, that I don't know, he played a game where he was, like, in a maze with a bunch of demons, must have lost sight of who he was, had a huge uh, m- ego <laughs> meltdown, and wandered the pipes like it was one of his dungeons. So people and that's are- what. Blaming
0: games for fucking the, the, you know, tragic, tragic shit with kids all the way back then with Dungeons and Dragons. It's crazy. Before there was even, you know, oh, actual they, imagery. Yeah, uh, that. that
1: story became the novel Mazes and Monsters, which ah. was a big go ask Alice cautionary tale of a bright eyed young boy whose mind was warped by these that. imageries and, and role plays. And the only reason any of you know what Mazes and Monsters is, is because it was turned into a hilarious bad TV movie starring Tom Hanks dude uh, you literally can google Tom Hanks mazes and monsters it ends with him having a freak out in the steam tunnels and he's hallucinating with a bunch of like bad you know shitty 80s era, 70s 80s era monsters going like burga, burga, burga. <laughs> and it ends with him in a mental uh, it ends with him living at his parents house still believing he is part of the game
0: <laughs> oh my god no he's like seeing monsters and stuff That's uh, there were
1: also other uh, unfortunate incidents where uh, teenagers were having emotional problems and because the game started uh, with various uh, mil- uh, game clubs started adopting the game in various colleges across the universities in 1985 there was a segment on sixty minutes uh, hosted by uh, Ed Bradley who was at the time one of the most prominent journalists st- was you know very prominent journalist this is sixty minutes one of the biggest news shows ever absolutely and he presented uh, Gary Gygax and his press uh, his press guy from TSR with these photos of teenagers that killed themselves and being like he was found. Uh, with Dungeons and Dragons in his apartment he was frowned with Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> in his room like what do you want to do and his Gary Gygax is... being the cool nerd that he is was like well I mean we're in the middle of a teen suicide epidemic like you pointed at like six dead teenagers that's barely a statistic and it's, What do you... th-
0: this is the most popular
1: f- yeah. game yeah no like, the like... <laughs> teenagers kill themselves who play sports teenagers kill themselves that are in marching band like you can't lay this at our feet but that wasn't enough because then they would uh, transfer to Patricia Pull- Pulling uh, yeah, Patricia Pauling, a uh, concerned mother that started BAD, uh, which was a acronym uh, kind of like MAD. So it was like bothered against Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Hold on, let me double check with that. Oh acronym my God, man, for...
0: this is amazing! Thank uh, you for bringing this. In Sith. that you
1: can watch this on YouTube right now, and uh, I'm not gonna say si- I'm not gonna. It si- is it is bothered about Dungeons. Bothered oh, oh, about Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Ugh. not. I'm not. Okay, I don't want to speak ill of the dead. This family went through a tragedy. But uh, they show a picture of Patricia's son, and he was the gayest teenager I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: <laughs> well, if we're speaking ill about the dead right now. George Washington, go fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> uh, so, all this news, all this coverage, all these things—this is going to warp your mind. There's demons and titties in it. Oh, this is the worst. And that was fuck. And while this was happening, while all this bad publicity was happening. The uh, TSR got a distribution deal with Random House Publishing, so while all this danger, danger, danger news was happening, Dungeons & Dragons was showing up in every bookstore in America.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. What, you in, around what time is that? around what? This was in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. 83, 84. Because I have, okay, because at the same time, one of my favorite things, um, Mr. Gygax goes to Hollywood, mm. which should be its own little spinoff TV mm-hmm. show. So TSR breaks off into four different ventures. TSR which is like the core, which is like your player's handbook, TSR international TSR ventures and TSR entertainment and TSR entertainment was Gygax literally going to Hollywood to try to hawk D and D properties to showbiz. And what he would manage to do, he only got one thing sold, but that one thing was the dungeons and dragons TV series, animated TV series that ran from 83 to 85, 27 episodes total. It was actually number one in its time slot for two years. Um, and, uh, The the story of it is, I really want to go back and watch it. Apparently, it's not bad. Six Friends. It's pretty bad. (laughs) It's pretty terrible. Six Friends transported into a fantasy realm via a magic roller coaster.
1: The character designs are like real janky. It's real bad. But, okay, so TSR is this company founded by gamers, founded from this very experimental spirit, literally borrowing stuff from everything from Conan the Barbarian to Lord of the Rings, and it was based- dark
0: dark shadows was a big influence as well apparently
1: it was this single media entity that was very organic but now it was worth money and so as the first company big enough to afford lawyers TSR was suing the shit out of people did you make your own module for D and d fuck you you're getting sued are you making a game that's kind of like D and; d fuck you you're getting sued so they were just total dicks about it that was the thing there was this adversarial relationship that had begun to foment and people began to resent them. While Gary was in Hollywood, living like a fucking cocaine king, by the way, the Bloom brothers were in charge of the business. Yes. And they fucked the goose. They fucked it up. TSR was in debt for millions of dollars. $30 million, Jake. (laughs) That's a lot of millions of dollars. And uh, using some of his Hollywood contacts, Gary begged for help from uh, a woman named Lorraine Williams. Lorraine Williams. uh, Who who ended up becoming a part of uh, the board? who then bought out the Bloom Brothers shares, who then kicked Gary out, And for several years, Lorraine became this, like, evil woman, this, like, this weird focal point. I remember uh, Reddit had some weird shit uh, with uh, their CEO was, like, a girl and therefore represented everything wrong with the corruption <laughs> of our once pure culture. And so Lorraine became the villain of every, like, pure-blooded d fan.
0: When I was reading up on her, it said she felt superior to gamers.
1: Yeah, it was all this thing. She represented, like, all the, the corporate sellout of Dungeons & Dragons, man.
0: But Actually, she revitalized the mm-hmm. company for many, many years before it did eventually fall. Um, uh, for for a lot of years, she she actually, but it's it just seems like they got a, they got greedy later on. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to compete with Magic: The Gathering by coming out with their own. Um, Are you talking about Dragon, dragon Dice? Dragon Dice, a a a version of, of of a collectible card game, but with dice, which is a really bad idea, terrible idea. Because first of all, like I think a lot of what people are collecting is like is the artwork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But instead, you're just sort of like ch- chiseling stuff in a dice. It's also incredibly expensive to make, and they just it started to do well on the onset. So mm-hmm. They immediately rushed out a bunch of expansions and just went crazy and just spent and cost so much money to make.
1: The novels were doing well, so what did they do? They published twelve novels. At Once, like everything, it was just not a good business. Oversaturated, oversaturated. Uh, just just they would release new editions that many believed were uh greedy money grabs. Like, uh, it's either I think it's third edition or or fourth edition where it was more reliant on buying miniatures and play sets Mm. Mm -hmm. in order to squeeze more money out of fans. It was Um,
0: just so obvious. They just got so, so greedy, and they didn't need to because they had really revitalized the whole company and and kept it going. So uh, um, I believe, where is it? It is Competitors
1: started arriving. Pathfinder, uh, which is a game that's based on, I think, Dungeons & Dragons 3.5. I think so. I think that's right. Uh, Began outselling Dungeons & Dragons and was deemed a more player-friendly company. Yes uh, other You know Vampire the Masquerade You ended, You played Vampire the Masquerade
0: I did have a weird like we kind of played Vampire the Masquerade with Oh did my you just give hand group. jobs in a in I a think cemetery. we just acted like We talked like assholes for an hour And then our church leader uh, came into the room And was like I'm appalled at everything you, you people have been saying for the last hour And
1: then you tried to and mind control bad. him into being gay Exactly, <laughs> exactly. He did Which is a his... thing you can do in Vampire the Masquerade
0: Yeah he did start fucking us so I guess it <laughs> worked Um <Ooh. laughs> Um so in 1997 They're $30 million in debt Lorraine Williams sells her company to their competitors Themselves the people they were trying to compete with With Dragon Dice Wizards of the Coast mm-hmm. uh, Wizards of the Coast out in uh, uh, Seattle a uh, company formed in 1990 gained popularity with Magic the Gathering Wizards of the Coast is balling right now They got Dungeons and Dragons Magic the Gathering and the Pokemon trading game Fucking how insane The money they must be f- raking in a- On the constant Um and, uh, yeah, it's it's to this day, it's owned by Wizards of the Coast, like we cool. said, uh, the, f- the fifth edition. Uh,
1: double check, Marcus. I'm sorry. I think Wizards of the Coast got bought out by Hasbro. By
0: Hasbro, yes. They did get bought out by Hasbro in 1999 for $325 million.
1: So, uh, with that new investment and with an understanding that, like, this entire game has been the subject of controversies and jerked around and, like, its fans have been, like, used and abused left and right, they finally play tested and came out with fifth edition, which has been fairly popular and I'm playing it right now and it's genuinely a really good game you don't need that many you don't need any miniatures you just kind of need the three core books the players uh, the and play, uh,
0: yeah a 20 sided die because they implemented the D20 system in the third edition which they've kind of gone with since then but but the, the, that kind of simplified the game in a lot of ways oh
1: yeah original D&D and uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons it was uh the way my i interviewed my uh, dungeon master um uh, i just kissed his ring and begged for for console <laughs> and uh he said that the original D and advance basically each class was playing their own weird mini game and it oh was impossible God. to keep track of everything and the d20 system basically rolled down to like i want to do the thing all right do you have the ability to do the thing yes what's your modifier i'm plus three better at doing this thing than if I didn't know how to do it. And
0: And that's it. The modifiers are based on uh, six abilities that everyone has a certain amount of uh, level in. Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Also, I would like to say, I I know we have to wrap things up soon, but I thought it was really cool that uh, Gygax actually invented the alignment system. Mm -hmm. The lawful good, neutral good, neutral evil, chaotic evil, that sort of grid that you see. Mm -hmm. A lot of people kind of um, using like different um, um, things from fiction and kind of like implementing those characters into that. Um, he actually created that. And I think that's really brilliant. And you have to pick your alignment when you go into the game. And that really kind of defines a lot of what your choices are in a more story sense.
1: It helps the role playing because in w- a good game of Dungeons and Dragons isn't about trying to win. It's about trying to win within your character's uh, truth. Yes. Uh, this is I think to, to wrap this up, I got I to ask Holden, what is your alignment?
0: My alignment would probably be... Chaotic dickhole? Yeah, chaotic shithead, (laughs) which I think is like way off to the side. It's definitely chaotic. It's probably chaotic neutral because I like good and I like bad. A little wrapped up in in between.
1: I'm a neutral good boy. Oh, okay. Neutral goodies. (laughs) Waffle good.
0: (laughs) So a couple things to recommend before we roll out of here, and just that's that if you do wish to play and you don't have people to play with or or something like that, you can play online on roll Twenty. Um, That's a website. Also, there's a tabletop simulator on Steam. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to just watch some online to get a taste, um, I love um, Acquisitions Incorporated, which is the Penny Arcade guys. Um, The DM is a dude from Wizards of the Coast. And um, they play with Patrick Rothfuss, which is one of my favorite fantasy authors. um, And they have a bunch of videos online. It's fucking way cool. There's also Geek and Sundry, which is crazy. On Twitch, I think they do it on Thursday nights. They play this game. D;D D&D it's a bunch of like video game and TV voice actors and stuff getting together to play um, and they have it's like 20,000 people watching them like every it's crazy and like it's just a, it's a group of people playing D&D just sitting there at you know at a table playing D&D together it's fucking bonkers um, uh, one of
1: my favorite uh, podcasts is the Adventure <clears throat> Zone which is the McElroy brothers playing a very highly adaptive D&D campaign with their dad. Awesome. And uh it's uh, it's very uh listenable and funny. Uh and we should we got to get a game going, man. We
0: I so want to get a game going and Lexi my my girlfriend also wants to get a game going. So because we both we just want to get into it, man, like fully commit.
1: My current character is a is a half-orc cleric named uh, Crunch Featherheart who nice. was mercilessly uh, bullied in magic school for being half-orc, <laughs> even though his very kindly human parents adopted him and told him that he was still a normal special boy. So it's a wharf? He's a wharf. (laughs) He's like a nerd wharf. Lawful good? Uh, He's, uh, 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 yeah, uh, lawful good, I'd say. He's uh, trying to do what's, he's trying to, he's he's doing it for himself, though. Oh, okay, so chaotic good. He wants to show those assholes they were wrong for calling him greeny, greeny, big pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I, I want to talk about this more. I think we're going to, and also I saw a, a comment on Facebook, which was hilarious, in the comment thread, which, by the way, thank you very much for that comment thread stating all the different subjects you wanted us to check out and, and cover in this show. I, I kept note of all those. Uh, one person was like, don't do just D&D. There's so many good tabletop role-playing games out there like Call of Cthulhu, etc. and we will be covering those in the future. So, dude, whatever your name is out there, man, Get a job
1: (laughs) I mean that's just generally good advice Yeah exactly just get a job And um, I'm the wizard Holden McNeely And I'm the bruiser Jake Young Follow me at best Jake Young on Twitter
0: Yes and watch me on Twitch at Holden For more shows like the one you just listened to Go to cavecomedyradio.com Everybody in your crew identifies As either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets Or McCrispy Sandwich